if you guys will, if you'll turn to your in your Bible to Romans chapter 3, verse 27. And uh, I'm going to read you a passage just for some context and then uh, really focus on one verse tonight. Uh, so we'll dig in a little bit, but I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you. That they'll come up uh, on the PowerPoint, but I don't have... Uh, the actual words of the verse in the PowerPoint, so you might just jot it down and uh, instead of trying to turn there, um, that'll probably be the best way to go. So, let me read um, Romans 3, verse 27. Apostle Paul says, Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on good deeds. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, God is not the God of the Jews only, is He? Isn't He also the God of the Gentiles? Of course He is. There is only one God and there is only one way of being accepted by Him. He makes people right with Himself only by faith whether they are Jews or Gentiles. And here's the key verse tonight. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So just pray with me one more time before we get into the message. Lord, we, we thank you, God, that um, Father, that it is only by the power of Your Holy Spirit that we can receive tonight, Lord. It's only by the power of Your Holy Spirit that I can speak anything worth speaking, God. So, Lord, we just pray that right now that Your Your Spirit would come and inhabit this place, Lord God. Inhabit our hearts, inhabit our minds, Lord. Father God, um, we, we pray for uh, good soil in our hearts, Lord. And, and we pray for protection from the enemy, Lord, who would who would seek to steal Your Word from our hearts, God. And Lord, I, I just pray that, that, that in this place, Lord God, that You would bring us to a place of humility, Lord God. And uh, Father, that, that our, our focus and our, our desire would not be for anything but Your glory, Lord, Your kingdom in our lives and in the lives of those around us, Lord, and Your will done in our hearts and in our minds and our lives and, and in, in the lives of those around us, I pray. Lord, speak to us through Your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, so, like I said, tonight we're going to focus on verse 31. I'll read it one more time. He says, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Now, we've got to ask a question here. Where does that question come from? Obviously, it's a rhetorical question because he immediately answers in the negative. So, so we got to ask ourselves, where does that question come from? Because it looks like somebody, uh, the audience that Paul was talking to, uh, believed from some of the previous things that he had said that, that he was forgetting about or nullifying the law of Moses, right? When he says the law, he's talking about Old Testament scripture, right? And so, but why did they ask this? And, uh, you know, we see that Paul doesn't agree, obviously. But before we can see why he doesn't agree, we need to ask, why was the question asked? What, what led up to this, to him having to defend this point? 
And you don't really have to look too hard back a little bit uh, earlier in the book of Romans to see why someone would have this idea that, that Paul views the law of God in a negative light. So I just want to read you a few scriptures. Uh, Romans 3, verse 20 says, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so what he's saying here is, is that you can't get right by doing, you can't get right with God, you can't be justified by doing things like keeping the Sabbath, not lying, not murdering, not committing adultery. You can't, you can't obey the law and get right with God. And, uh, then in verse 21, he continues, he says, now apart from the law of righteousness, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. And you see, God's righteousness is given to us freely, right? That's what grace is. Grace is a free gift. Not by anything that we have done are we made right with God. In fact, he even goes on to say in Ephesians that even that faith that we have is a gift from God. It comes from God. You know, uh, in, in another passage, I cannot remember where it is, you know, it says that, that God shines His light into the darkness of the sinner's heart to where, we're, where we were once blind, now we can see. And so uh, we understand that saving faith and that grace by which we're saved has nothing to do with what we do, but it's by faith alone. And that's what he's emphasizing in these verses. Uh, Romans 3.27, hopping down a little bit. He says, where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. So again, we see that the law of works seems to be, to Paul, a negative. It seems to be that way. Uh, you know, it can't justify. It can't manifest the righteousness of God. It can't get rid of boasting. Uh, you know, he says only the law of faith can do that. And in verse 28, he says this, We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So there it is again. He's not satisfied just to say the positive, that we're justified by faith, but he emphasizes and not by the works of the law, apart from the works of the law. And so that what we can do, kind of reading in between the lines is, is that we can see that this kind of got his critics upset a little bit. You know, it got them thinking something that he wasn't really saying. Um, you know, he, he's continually saying that the law can't set us right with God. We get right by faith alone, right? And, and, and his emphasis there was not to say that the law was bad, but to show that the law was not the means by which we get right with God. Now, with that kind of context, we can see in verse 31 why someone would ask, well, then, can we just forget about the law? Is it valid anymore? Does it mean anything? Um, you know, they, 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 and you can almost see people asking Paul, you know, so, so what are you saying, Paul? You're saying that, that all these things that we based all of our religion on and all of our, uh, all of the past scriptures on, really the only scripture that we have because the New Testament scripture was being established, right? All those things are, are no good. Are, are you calling for a lawless people? And that, so that's the, that's the conflict being addressed. And, and that's what Paul was responding to here. And, and we understand, you know, is that what he thought? No. You know, he emphatically says, of course not. 
You know, uh, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, he goes on, on to say that the only, that only when we have faith do we fulfill the law. So he, he quickly, uh, turns the tables on his critics. He says, uh, not only do we not forget the law when we teach justification by faith alone, apart from the works of the law, but we fulfill the law when we teach faith. And uh, I'm going to kind of nail that home for you here in a second. But uh, justi- justification uh, is by faith alone, apart from the works of the law, but that doesn't knock down the law is what he's saying. What faith does, what faith in Jesus does is not nullify it, but stand it up, make it firm, make it solid, uh, make it complete in the believer. Uh, getting right with God by faith, not works, establishes the law. So what does that mean? Um, I, I, I'm gonna, I put up a, um, summary of what I think that means in, in just a, a statement. And you can go ahead and put, yeah, the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I'll just read it here. What the moral law of God requires of us, we will do if we pursue it by faith as those who are already justified and not by works in order to be justified. If we get right with God first, by faith alone, and then live in that freedom of love and acceptance and justification, we will be changed from the inside out and will begin to love the very things that the moral law requires so that they become established in our lives, not as works of merit, but as the fruit of faith and as the fruit of the Spirit." That's a lot of words. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. <laughs> and uh, you guys, uh, just, just try to read along with me here, because uh, this is really uh, kind of the main point that all this revolves around. What the moral law of God requires of us, we will do if we pursue it by faith. As those who are already justified, and not by works in order to, or as a means to be justified, If we get right with God first by faith alone and then live in that freedom of love and acceptance and justification, we will be changed from the inside out and we'll begin to love. So I get born again by faith and then I begin to love the very things the moral law requires so that they become established in our lives. Not as works of merit, not something that gets me saved or makes me any more loved by God, but as the fruit of faith and the fruit of the Spirit. So let me throw a couple of scriptures at you regarding that. Second uh, Thessalonians 1.11 says, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call. God enables us to live a life worthy of His call. May He give you the power to accomplish all the things your faith prompts you to do. John 15.5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. We bear the fruit when we abide in Christ. And here's the key, for without me, you can do nothing. So it's nothing in us. It's not us. It's not by our ability or our discipline or anything inside of us that we fulfill the moral law of God in our life. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God that we receive when we're born again. 
Now, I want to give you a little analogy, and when I read this, it just it just really shed shed light on this whole principle. And this is why there's a roller coaster on the screen. So, suppose you're standing on a roller coaster track. You're at the bottom of the biggest dip on the whole roller coaster. And in front of you is a 300-foot incline, almost straight up. Okay, And up at the top, there's a roller coaster sitting, waiting to go. And there's another hill on the other side, and it goes on and comes around. And so you're standing there at the bottom of this 300-foot incline. And a guy on the ground, Mr. Moses, he says, uh, Hey, ascend the tracks. You ascend the tracks, get to the top, get in the roller coaster. And if you can get in the roller coaster, then uh, it'll go over the hill, and you'll have all the momentum you, that you need to climb all the hills on this roller coaster. In fact, once you're in there, you're you're, you're going to be you're going to have the power you need to get through this whole this whole track. So okay, so you start to climb, uh, hand over hand, plank by plank, in between the rails, and it's hard. It's straight up. You start to struggle. Uh, you fall, you get up, you try again. You climb hand by hand, plank by plank. You fall again. You start to get a little bit frustrated. Why can't I do this? I know I'm supposed to do it. You know, anybody ever been there? I know what the Bible says that I'm supposed to do. I just can't do it. I find myself failing. You know, insert your failure. You know, be it uh, whatever. You know, we all know that we have areas that we fall, but I just I struggle. I, I'm yelling at my kids when I know I should have patience with them. I'm yelling at my wife when I know I should have patience with her. You know, um, I'm, I'm constantly watching stuff on TV or the internet that I know I shouldn't be watching. Whatever, whatever it is, we put it in there and we find ourselves trying to climb those planks hand by hand and, 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 and falling and, and, and being frustrated and getting hurt. And so, then somebody from the ground says, hey, you look down. It's Mr. Paul. And uh, Mr. Paul says, hey, come here. Get off that track. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're not supposed to climb on the rails. That's not what it's meant for. Uh, come down. I want to tell you something. I want, to, I want to give you some advice. And so as you're going down, somebody says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mr. Moses said he's got to ascend the tracks. And now you're telling him to come down. You're telling him not to climb. You're nullifying Mr. Moses' law. You're forgetting about Mr. Moses' law. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm doing. Come here. I want to show you something. I'm not, what I'm going to tell you doesn't nullify his command. It establishes it. And so you go and you, and you, you, you go over to Mr. Paul and he, he points. He says, you see that crane up there? And there's a big 400 foot crane. There's a guy up in the cab. He's waving. Hey, you know, how's it going? And um, from the crane is a long cable that reaches all the way to the ground. And at the end of the cable is a harness, a body harness. And Paul says, if you'll trust that guy up in the cab, and if you'll trust the cable and the harness, he'll lift you up and put you in the roller coaster. And so you think, okay, well... I, I didn't. I couldn't do it by my own effort. I couldn't climb the track. I'll trust the harness. 
And so you go and you, and you trust the harness, you put it on, and he lifts you up into the roller coaster. And, and he puts you in, and uh, you get all locked in and secure, and the roller coaster rolls down the, the first hill. And you feel the power of gravity kicking in as it pulls the roller coaster down the track. And then you hit the bottom, and as you go into the ascent, you feel another surge of power as you, as you roll up to the top. Anybody who's ever been on a roller coaster, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, you, and you surge up the hill, and then you go down the next one, and you make the circuit of the track. And then before you know it, you're on the hill looking down at the very place where you started to try to climb. And the coaster, the coaster goes down, and as you come to your starting point, you're, you're doing about 80 miles an hour. And as you, as you go through that point, you surge up the very tracks that Mr. Moses said, ascend those tracks. And then you're at the top, and you just keep on going. And as you go, you, you look down, and there's Mr. Moses and Mr. Paul, and they've got their hands around each other, smiling like the best of friends, as if there was never any tension at all. So what's the point of this analogy? The point is, is that Mr. Moses, you know, in the Old Testament, were given the moral law, right? And we understand that we interpret the moral law through um, the lens of the law of Christ, right? I'm going to give you a scripture about how Jesus told us that we fulfill the moral law in just a little bit. Um, you know, a, a quick aside, something that just popped into my head. You know, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the liberal opponents of of Christianity today say, you know, whenever we argue the Bible, they say, well, do you eat shellfish? Or do you wear this type of garment all the time? Or uh, do you follow all those weird ceremonial laws? But you know, there's two parts of the law. There's the ceremonial law, which was meant to cleanse and prepare and set apart Israel for the specific type of worship that God called them to. And then there's the moral law. Don't lie, don't steal, don't murder. Uh, love, love God with all your heart. You know, uh, don't have any idols. There's the moral law that through the teachings of the apostles and of Christ that we are called as New Testament believers to keep. And so there's a misunderstanding there of that division between the ceremonial law and the moral law that, that, that some of the opponents of, of our faith miss. And that's an important thing to know. You know, you can, when somebody says that, you can say, well, you know, that was part of the ceremonial law. And uh, Christ hasn't really commanded us to keep that. But uh, anyway, that's a side note. So that's what the law required. Ascend the tracks. That's what he said. That's the commandment. It's good. But it was never his idea when he said ascend the tracks that we would climb hand over hand, plank by plank up that incline. It was never his intention because the track is not a ladder for climbing. It's a, it's a path of power for riding in the roller coaster, right? And that's the way that it is with the moral law of the Old Testament. It isn't meant to give a ladder for climbing, but a track for riding in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we fulfill the moral law. So when Mr. Paul said, you know, don't climb those tracks to the top, come over here and trust this harness, 
Some thought that he was saying, leave the law of Mr. Moses, nullify it, forget about it, abolish it, don't, don't obey it, forget, you know, be a lawless people. But that's not what he was doing. He was not nullifying the commandments. He was establishing them by faith. The commandment was ascend the tracks, go to the top of the roller coaster on the top of the hill. And that's exactly what happened to us when we trusted the man in the cab you know, and, and, and of course you begin to see the analogy. It's, the, it's being born again. It's trusting in Christ and His gospel and, and being, being lifted out of our sin to the peak of justification. And then as we are justified before God, we receive the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the roller coaster, and we begin to move in a power not our own. And it's only when we move in that power that is not our own that we are able to walk in the moral commandments of the Bible. That's the point. That's why Paul said that, that, that he put such an emphasis on faith, but yet he said, I don't nullify the law, I establish it because it's only by faith in Christ that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do those things, to walk in those things. So let me, let me show you a couple of scriptures. Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. And you can see here that, that he's dealing with much the same issue as in uh, Romans 3, 31. They're saying again, you teach justification by grace through faith alone, apart from the works of the law. So what you're really saying is that sinning doesn't matter and that the more we sin, the more grace will be shown and the more glory God will get in forgiving that sin. And Paul emphatically rejects this, just like he did back in 331. Uh, Romans 6, 14-15, Sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? May it never be. So again, he says, no, the gospel of justification by grace through faith alone does not produce sinning. It produces love. That's what the gospel produces. Um, when we trust the car controller and the cable in the harness and we sit in the roller coaster with the energy of grace driving the linkage, we don't come to the bottom of that 300-foot hill and just come to a halt. We surge through it with power as a fruit and as a manifestation of true saving faith working out of us. That's the way it works. You know, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we receive that empowers us to do this. Romans 8, 2-4. I'm going to read the first half and then uh, comment a little bit and then we'll finish it. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh... So let's pause here. I'll read this, this little sentence again. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh... Now the law of this 300-foot incline was not bad. In fact, it was perfect. You know, it was a good track. It had good planks. It had good railings. It had good girders. They were, they were well fastened, but they were not meant 
for climbing. And so what was the weakness of the track? Why couldn't we ascend the tracks? It's because we were never meant to climb them. That's not what they were made for. So it was weak through the flesh. Uh, and, and just the same, our flesh, and what is the flesh? The flesh is everything inside of us that is not under the governance and the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our flesh. So our flesh was never designed by God to attempt such a thing as keeping the moral law. These rails were made for guiding a roller coaster, not for your flesh to climb. So let's, let's finish the verse here. What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law, listen to this, so that the requirement of the law in Christ, look back in the verse, it's in Christ, in His work, um, so that the, the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, Christ, God sent Christ to execute sin in the believer's life so that we might be justified by faith alone apart from the works of the law and so that the, the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And, you know, in, in just layman terms, what this is, what this is describing is real, genuine life transformation. A change. You know, um, growing up, uh, my parents always brought me to church and I was, I was a very religious person. Uh, and I used to think that I was saved when I was a little kid. I really did. And, and, you know, I, I think about my life and I, I had an awesome experience with the Lord when I was 17 years old and, and, um, and I, and I think about my life and I, and, and I begin to read the scriptures and about how the Spirit changes our life. And I, and I look back at that and I say, that's when my life was changed. That's when there was fruit in my life was, was, was in that moment. And, and that is the proof of being born again is that, is that we, we trust in Christ by faith alone. And then the, the Holy Spirit begins to work out of us in power, right? He's the roller coaster. We sit in the car and, and here we go. Um, so, I've totally lost my spot again. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, life, life change. Uh, that's confirmed by the next phrase in the Scripture, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So walking by the Spirit means being empowered in the roller coaster, the Spirit, with a power not our own, uh, and, and this is how the moral law is fulfilled and established by faith. So I think, I think this is going to come up, maybe. I've got it bold highlighted in my notes. Um, we are justified by faith alone, apart from the works of the law, and the Holy Spirit is given to us, and by His power, we fulfill the law. And I'm about to show you what is the fulfillment of the law to the New Testament believer it's love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, two passages. Romans 9, 30-32. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. 
But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. So we see uh, the people of God, Israel, who God chose, they didn't attain righteousness because they were trying to use the law as works of merit. They were trying to climb the track, right? But the Gentiles were accepted and were made right with God because they believed by faith. Um, and and here's, here's my text where I get the, the statement that fulfilling the law is love. Romans 13, 8-10 Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. You hear that? For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love, here's this key phrase here, love is the fulfillment of the law. So in other words, love fulfills or establishes the whole moral law. And so if we interpret this through, through what, we, what, what some call the law of Christ, the law that, that now applies to the New Testament believer, um, no, we're not bound to all those ceremonial uh, things that says you can't eat pigs or shrimp or, uh, you know, all the, all those ceremonial laws. But Christ says that if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will not murder. We will not covet. We will not lie. We will not steal. We won't do all those things that the moral law requires because we're walking by the power of the Holy Spirit in love. And what is love? It's a fruit of the the Spirit. That's right. Galatians 5, 22-23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You know, uh, a lot of times I find myself in situations where uh, I'm not patient with someone. Or I find myself myself where I'm aggravated on the inside, and, and I and I um, I'm definitely not joyful. And I, and I begin to try to think in those moments, I'm not walking in the spirit. It's fruit of the spirit, you know. It's not it's not uh, Josh. Let's let's conjure up happiness, right? When 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 uh, you know you and your when your kids are yelling and and getting on. On your nerves, and and then and then we start fussing at each other, and and things aren't going good, and I'm just aggravated on the inside. There's nothing in me that can say I'm going to be happy. I'm just going to be happy. But I can stop, and I can pray, and I can say, Lord Jesus, produce in me the fruit of your Spirit, God, joy. You know, whenever whenever um, somebody aggravates me. And I want to say something that I should not say to them. You know, the Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Very difficult to follow that one. But, but when, 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 
when in those moments when all I want to do is speak my mind, you know, I'm just going to be real, you know, that's not in the Bible, right? Uh, in those moments, I, I stop and I, not always, but, but, but I've tried to make a practice. Heavenly Father, produce in me patience by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me. And we can't do that on our own, right? If we're in our flesh, if, if we, if we read our Bible at seven in the morning and we hadn't thought about God all day and we're in that moment and we're in our flesh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna climb the tracks. We're gonna fall. It's only, it's only when we're in the coaster that we're able to supernaturally surge through those moments and be victorious. Um, and this is the spirit supplied to us by works of the oh, is this spirit supplied to us by works of the law or by faith? What does the Bible say? Uh, does he come with his power to take us up the roller coaster hill of love because we work to show ourselves worthy, or is it because we are justified by faith alone? I'm going to read this to you. Romans 7, 6 says, But now we have been released from the law. So let's stop there. So we walk away from that 300-foot hill. We die to it. We say, I'm walking away. I'm going down. I'm going to listen to what Mr. Paul has to say. You receive the harness of grace, and you ride up to the peak of justification and are put in the car of the Spirit's power. And, 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 and that's how we receive it. Not by anything that we do, it's by faith. It's by believing in Jesus, trusting in Christ. We receive this power, this Holy Spirit, this, this roller coaster ride that enables us to, to, to walk in the Spirit in those moments, to, to overcome, to do what God wants us to do. So let's read the rest of the verse. Romans 7, 6. And having died to that by which we were bound, the law, so that we serve in, in newness of spirit, and not in oldness of letter. Now look at that. Something very key. We serve. You know, what's our, what's our natural human inclination? Our natural human inclination is, I need to get what I deserve. Uh, my wife said something I don't like. I don't deserve that. He did something to me. I don't deserve that. But the Bible says that, that, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He died for us and, 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 and He is our example. And we are called in the power of God's Spirit to serve, to lay down our life, to give. Not to get what we deserve, right? Not to get what we deserve, but to give. To give and to die in those moments. Um, so we serve, we love, but not, not in the old way, not hand over hand, plank by plank in the power of the flesh because it's weak, right? Uh, but because we are justified by faith alone, apart from the works of the, of the law, we serve by the power of the Spirit whose fruit is first love. You know, Jesus said um, the three great virtues, what were they? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, right? And that's the first, that's the first fruit of the Spirit that, that all the other fruits come from. They, they, they all serve love. And love fulfills the law. And therefore, Paul, at the end of this long chapter where he's hammered and hammered that we are justified by faith and not by the works of the law, is able to say in verse 31, if we emphasize faith, 
Does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. And so I want to ask you a question. I just want you to be honest with yourself. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. But are you struggling to live for God? Do you know what you need to do, but you find yourself over and over and over in those crucible moments that you just don't do it? You just can't do it. Do you find yourself frustrated? Do you find yourself falling on the track and, and finding yourself bumped and bruised and frustrated? And, and man, I, I wish I would have reacted differently. I wish that every time this happens that I could react differently. I wish I could turn it off. I wish I could not say uh, these, these piercing things that come out of my mouth. I wish that I had patience with my kids. I wish that I wish that that I could do those things that God is calling me to do. Let me encourage you today to begin relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I know a lot of people struggle with with reading the Bible and and, and getting uh, quality meat out of the Bible. Well, I want to encourage you. That when you go to the place of prayer, or I'm sorry, when you go to, to the place where you read the Word, pray for God to illuminate your eyes. Pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would have understanding and wisdom and, and insight into the Scripture and rely on Him rather than a, a, a box to check off. Begin to rely on, on the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. Uh, when you go to the place of prayer, begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you in what to pray. You know, um, even before even before we start, and we start just spitting out all these things, God, this is going on, and I need this, and I need that. You know, um, Jesus taught us to pray first, Lord, uh, glorify Your name, right? Hollow Your name, Lord, uh, Your kingdom come, Lord, Your will be done. Then, He said, give us this day our daily bread, right? And so oftentimes we go to the place of prayer, and we just start all of our needs, right? God, I need this. God, this is going on. Help me, Lord. Help. You know, and, and God, 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 uh, Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, I, I first glorify your name. I first pray that, that, that not what I want, but that what you want would be done in my life. Lord, I, I pray your kingdom come to my life. And, and, and not necessarily, we don't have to repeat the words, but the focus is on God as we go to the place of prayer. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, get me in the right mindset where I can pray correctly and effectively. Uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit in, in those moments, you know, I call it Salah, I call it stop and pray. Uh, in those moments, you know, those crucible moments uh, with coworkers or kids or spouses or, or whatever, you know, it's better <laughs> to stop and not say anything if, if, if in those crucible moments. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. You know, and, and I call it the stop and pray moments where, where sometimes, you know, I just gotta stop and I gotta say, Lord, help me. <laughs> help me, God. You know, please. <laughs> and, 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 uh, just, just help me not to say anything. You know, help me to keep my mouth shut. And, um, you know, I believe that, 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 that just as much as, as outward 
outward acts of, of, of uh, charity and, of, and works for, for God, that, 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 is, that is another way that, that we store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. You know, when we, when we refrain from, from using our tongue, from sinning with our tongue. Uh, so anyway, Lord, Holy Spirit, uh, enable me to respond to my spouse, my co-workers, my family in selfless love rather than selfishness. Because we are unable to serve God in the flesh, and we are in the flesh if we are not totally submitting ourselves under the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no in-between. We're either in the Spirit or we're in the flesh. Right? God's given us the Holy Spirit. We're in the car. Right? Sometimes, unfortunately, we decide to get out of the car. Right? Get back on the track. Not to say that we lose our salvation. You know, the Bible says that we are, we're secure in His hand, right? But the Bible does say that it's, it's a fight. You know, what a man sows, that will he reap. He sows to the flesh, he will reap of the flesh corruption, death. If he sows to the Spirit, he will reap life. It's our responsibility to seek after God, to respond to that call, to respond to, He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody will open the door, I'll come and I'll have a meal. I'll be intimate with you. I will empower you to do these things. So I just want to encourage you tonight, rely on Him. Rely on the Spirit. Call on Him often. Be empowered by God's Spirit to ascend the tracks of the commandments of the Bible, not in your own abilities, but as a fruit and as a power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, um, so you guys... uh, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Holy Spirit, God. We, we thank You that You do not call us or expect us or ever intended for us to fulfill all the things that You have called us to be in our own power, Lord. God, but You give us the, the Holy Spirit, Lord, as, as a power in our lives to do all things that You have called us to do, God. And Lord, I, I pray, Father, that, that uh, very personally in every person in this room, Lord, that You would help us, God, in every situation of our lives to apply in the power of the Holy Spirit, love your neighbor as yourself. God, I pray that, that in, our, in our crucible moments, Lord God, that that command would ring in our hearts. Love your neighbor as yourself. And God, that we would in that moment realize our utter inability to do that. And that in that moment, God, that we would throw ourselves fully and completely on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to enable us to ascend the tracks. To enable us to, to, to do whatever it is you're calling us to do to fulfill the commandment of love, Lord. And so God, I just pray for a great humility in this place, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves for what we are, Lord. That we are sinful. We are helpless, Lord. We are, we are, um, Lord God, very weak in our flesh. But in Christ, we are justified. We are righteous. We are we are holy, Lord. We are, we are um, the very righteousness of Christ imputed to us. And we have been given this great tool of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do what You call us to do. 
and that is love, Lord. And so, God, I just, I just thank you, Father, that, that, that if, if we don't remember anything tonight, Lord God, that, that in, in the moments, in the moments where, where we are so tempted to do what is wrong, Lord God, to not love, God, that we would remember to pray and to throw ourselves on the, on the power and the grace and the enabling of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.